The San Francisco 49ers beating the brakes off the Dallas Cowboys for everyone across the country, across the world to see in prime time. We're giving out game balls, breaking it down. How are the 49ers this good? Are the 49ers this good? Are the Cowboys this bad? What's going on right now after week five? Coming at you right now, Locked On 49ers. You are Locked On 49ers, your daily San Francisco 49ers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On 49ers, Brian Peacock and Eric Crocker at BB Peacock at Eric underscore Crocker. Thanks, everybody, for making us your first listen here on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Appreciate all the everydayers out there. See everyone fired up in the post-game chat already. Looking to get into this one. Uh this episode of Lockdown 49ers is brought to you by FanDuel, official sports book of the NFL and the Lockdown Podcast Network. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers can bet $5 and get 200 in bonus bets at FanDuel guaranteed. Visit fanduel.com slash Lockdown to get started. Croc, are the 49ers this good? Are the Dallas Cowboys? I made a joke earlier, and it, it was basically we still don't know if the 49ers are good because they haven't played anyone. That's what it looked like. This looked like run-of-the-mill Niners, great team playing against any old team, not the Dallas Cowboys, not the rival Dallas Cowboys, not the team that's supposed to have the next best defense in the NFL, uh, not the team that had been beaten down just about everybody but the Arizona Cardinals so far this year. Uh, this was a whooping crock. This was something that um, wasn't really close from jump as the 49ers beat the Dallas Cowboys 42-10. to 10. You know, I, I think it showed that there's different kind of classes right now going on. And there are certain teams that are trying to figure out who they are and potentially how far they can go. All right. But the 49ers clearly aren't in that class. The 49ers are in a class that's different than that. And that's what I kind of – I didn't expect it to that extent. I thought the Cowboys were in that class as well. You know, when we talked about it with the Locked On Cowboys host, there was three teams, 49ers, Philadelphia Eagles, and Dallas Cowboys. I think what the 49ers showed tonight is there might only be two teams, 49ers and Philadelphia Eagles. Everyone else has to prove that they can try to play to the level of the 49ers or potentially the Eagles. But where the 49ers are, especially if they get up for a game, it is going to be extremely difficult to play at the level that they are capable of reaching. A lot of folks asking if your brother's okay right now. Is the uh, is the family chat getting a little bit slow? on those responses right now, Croc. Uh, how are things going there? Because I know you were turned up from this game. Uh, anybody who's on Twitter saw Croc a little bit earlier on uh, having a lot of fun getting fired up for this game. And it was one of those games. It's a primetime game, right? Everyone's up for it. And how deflating must that have been for Cowboys fans that were just that realized this game was not going to go their way very early? They, they realized it pretty much right away. 49ers marched down. They scored a touchdown. Shout out to George Kittle. Three touchdowns on the game. We saw, obviously, Kyle Juszczyk be a huge part of the 49ers offense. You and I, we've been talking about that and as far as his uh, the, the the value in, in Kyle Juszczyk and what he's capable of giving you. The 49ers gave you a full dose of all of that. But as far as Dallas Cowboy fans go and my brother and my guy Devin Mays, shout out to my guy D Mays, he's in the chat as well. He actually went to the game. I told him, bro, you wasted your money. You wasted your money. You paid all hundreds of dollars to go and watch the Cowboys lose 42 to 10. It, it was a beatdown. And the group chat is pretty quiet. When you get demolished, 
to that extent, you don't even have anything to say back. And they're realistic for the most part. Sometimes they, they can be homers, and they felt like they had a chance. But when you lose 42 to 10, it's clear. The 49ers are in a different stratosphere than what you are in. So the group chat right now, and I've been, I've been checking the phone. I've been checking the whole iPhone right now. They are, they are their tune and their vibe is drastically different. Mm-hmm. It, it, it became very clear to them that, okay, we got a lot of work to do if we want to even try to compete with the likes of a San Francisco 49ers team. And we talked with, our again, our Locked On Cowboys host. And this was all about, you know, fine-tuning and figuring out where you were and, and, and building up to the postseason because we know who's going to be there. I think the Cowboys will still be there, but even when they get there, they know that there's a hierarchy, and it starts with the San Francisco 49ers. Yeah, that's what's crazy about this. Uh, the, I think the Cowboys are a pretty good team, and I think they're a top five team in the NFC. And uh, maybe they're not on the level of the 49ers, maybe they're not on the level of the Philadelphia Eagles, but they're in that next tier if they're not. And, you know, with the maybe the Detroit Lions, um, I, I don't even know what other teams are, are going to be in that tier right now in the NFC, right? But that's just how good the 49ers are because this is a good team. This is a playoff team the Dallas Cowboys are. And the 49ers thumped them in every way. And um, one of the big things that stood out to me in this game is the Cowboys. One thing they did do was a good job of slowing down Christian McCaffrey. Christian McCaffrey, uh, a lot of people talking about in the MVP conversation for the 49ers this year, for the, for the entire league this year. 19 carries for McCaffrey, only 51 yards, 2.7 yards per carry. He did have the nice touchdown run. Tougher on there for the touchdown. It didn't matter. Brock Purdy. Brock Purdy is the MVP of this team. Brock Purdy is the MVP maybe of this league crux. Passing 252 yards. They weren't even, this wasn't like a high volume passing game either. He was just throwing touchdowns every half dozen times he, he threw the ball. Four touchdown passes for Brock Purdy in this game. A 144.4 passer rating. Three of those touchdown passes going to George Kittle on the only three passes he caught in this game, including to kick things off on the opening drive. And a nice little uh, nice little trick play in there, too, which is fun to see from the 49ers to try to you know get a little bit more on the board against the Dallas Cowboys. So game ball number one easily to me goes to Brock Purdy. And I'm a skeptical human being. By nature, and we talked about it in the offseason, you know, okay, small sample. Let's see what he looks like. League has a book on him coming off the elbow injury, passes this test, passes that test, passes every single test crock. You and, and we've we're believers already. We've talked about this a lot, but I think nationally, primetime game here, Dallas Cowboys, good defense. You know, you hear from some from some members of the media, some some people now and again, they're like, ah, Brock's good, but like you got to take the butt out of it. Brock Purdy is that dude, Croc. Brock Purdy is one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL right now. I don't know where you rank him. I I don't think we need to rank him. We just need to recognize how good he is. And right now, Brock Purdy is the 49ers MVP. He is running this offense like it was meant to be run. It's pretty unbelievable. Brock Purdy is baby Drew Brees. And that's the best way to put it, right? When, when you think of over the last 20 years, like the top quarterbacks, Drew Brees might, out of the top guys, the elite guys, might be the last guy that you mentioned. But you also, you just have to mention him. And I think Brock Purdy is 
is kind of putting himself into that category where even when you watch him a lot like uh, Drew Brees, you don't see a lot of special throws, right? Like even today, what would you say was, oh man, like, did you see that throw that Brock Purdy made? And I think again, because when you think of elite quarterbacks off the top of your head, you think of all these throws that are just like so special. Other guys can't make. Well, Drew Brees, that really wasn't his game. It was about being very efficient to the highest level and really running a Sean Payton offense. And when I look at Brock Purdy and what he's doing, there aren't these throws that are like, man, a lot of guys can't make this throw. Maybe everybody can make it, but not everybody does it the way that Brock Purdy does it. And if you are skeptical skeptical of Brock Purdy, to any extent, as as, as I, I was, and a lot of other people as well, I understand it. But what we're seeing right now is a guy that's running an offense so efficiently to the highest level. We see guys open, right? Like even the touchdowns from George Kittle is like, well, he's open. But he clearly always finds the open guy and always makes the right throw. And if it were one game or two game, I would understand. Then you see an off game, whatever. We're seeing a consistency at an elite level. And that's what he continues to give you. So when you talk about MVP, and I think it was hard for Drew Brees to win that MVP award. It might be hard for uh, Purdy to win it as well just because of how he plays. But the way he's running this offense, you can't name five quarterbacks that are running their offense more efficiently than Brock Purdy. And we saw it again when he had four touchdowns, zero interceptions, in what was supposed to be a big-time challenge against the Dallas Cowboys. ISU 5 Dre uh, is at Iowa State University, and he's not buying the Purdy stuff. He says, stop, Purdy bald, but he ain't the MVP of the team nor the league. Come on, Peacock. I like, I don't know who you think is playing better right now. Like, what do you even? I, I would trade. I would trade two Christian McCaffrey's for one Brock Purdy right now on the 49ers. We saw it in this game. Christian McCaffrey did not lead this 49ers get, team to victory, and he's good. And it's nothing against Christian McCaffrey. Give me Brock Purdy all day long. Like, uh, it's it's not even close for a team MVP. I think right now, as good as McCaffrey is. Because you've seen how he can distribute. Like the 49ers have playmakers. If one goes down, they have other guys. They can go other directions with it. I don't know. I wouldn't want to see this team without Brock Purdy right now. Then you look at other quarterbacks in the league. Mahomes isn't playing at his normal level. He's having a, a rough go of it right now. As good as the, the Kansas City Chiefs are, they're going to be out there. Um, Brock Purdy's not throwing ga- not having games where he's throwing three interceptions like Josh Allen did. Who's Who's playing better football than him right now? The, the, the 49ers offense has scored 30-plus points, including 35 last week, 42 this week. They've scored 35 points in 30-plus points in every single game. So at some point, like, if it's just the team around him, typically you would see some kind of drop-off within five games. You'd see a game where we saw even with Jimmy Garoppolo, right? Let's go back to Jimmy Garoppolo. And I want to say last year – when you traded for Jimmy, uh, uh, Christian McCaffrey, and then by the time he took over as a starter, like I, I don't think the 49ers have lost a regular season game since then, and that includes with Christian McCaffrey, right, or Jimmy Garoppolo. But even then, there was a game against the New Orleans Saints where I want to say, what, what was the final score, 13-0 or 14-0? Like nothing crazy, right? And that showed like the significance of – Everybody that's involved, whether it's defense and guys like Christian McCaffrey, whatever. Brock Purdy is not even having those kind of games. That is where, oh, man, it's 13-0. Like, you can see how much everybody else contributes. 
It's like, oh, 42-0. So, like, I, I get it. I get it from the standpoint of being skeptical. You and I were both like, okay, like, you know, let's hold on. Like, let, let, let's wait and see. And, you know, I think you you would want Trey Lance because he gives you the best chance of reaching the pinnacle and he has these special characteristics. But what we've seen from Brock Purdy over this extent, and it's still, quote, unquote, a small sample size, it, it, it hasn't mattered. He has played this offense, ran it to the highest level that you can run an offense. And this was supposed to be the team that can challenge that, the number two defense in the NFL. And they didn't. It just continued to look very easy. And you could say, well, the Cowboys aren't good. Like, no, the Cowboys are a good team. They're going to win a lot of games. Cowboys are going to win 11, 12 games this year. But a 49ers-led Brock Purdy made them look like they don't belong on the field. He had a big hand in that. All right, Brock Purdy gets a game ball for sure in this one. More on this win for the 49ers, decisive 42-10 to 10 win over the Dallas Cowboys next. Today's episode of Locked On 49ers is brought to you by FanDuel. Snap into action this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. No matter what happens on that first $5 bet, you get 200 more to bet on. So if there's any, if you've ever thought of joining FanDuel, there's no better time than right now to get in on that action. And you can use those $200 in bonus bets to bet on spreads, player props, over-unders. If you bet on the 49ers to cover the number in this one, you covered that one pretty easily. Uh, the app is super easy to use and safe. I love both the app and the web interface. You can find all the bets you want in all the sports you want, not just NFL football. Build your own parlays, all of it at FanDuel, America's number one sports book. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to kick off this, I don't know, what the the second half of the NFL season. Like we're getting into the NFL season now. We know a lot about these teams and we know the 49ers are very good. FanDuel.com slash locked on FanDuel official partner of the NFL. Okay. I George Kittle's got to get a game ball in this one. George Kittle's usage has been down this year. And one of the things that happened when Brock Purdy took over last year is, is Kittle was a touchdown machine and we kind of hadn't seen that much this year. And uh, I loved seeing, Kittle be a part of the game plan. And, and that's one of the things that stands out to me in this game. So, Croc, I'm sure you agree. Game ball to George Kittle. He does a lot of little things every week for, to help the 49ers win in the run game, in the pass game. But it, I, I love I love this type of win for the 49ers because it's not a one-player thing, right? Okay, you did what you had to do to shut down this player. Okay, guess what? This guy gets three touchdowns. Debo Samuel's involved. Kyle Juszczyk gets a touchdown. Throws Layered throws to Brandon Ayuk, right? Uh, in week number one, they used Minka Fitzpatrick to try to take George Kittle out of the offense. Well, what happened? Okay, George Kittle, Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, right? There's just, you. how do you stop this football team? You can't take one thing away because you're just that much more likely to get beat by everybody else. And you can't play the 49ers straight up because they will beat you. And Brock Purdy will find that open man. So um, anyway, Brock Purdy already got his game ball. Give him one to George Kittle. Love seeing uh, the, the red zone Kittle show up in this game. Yeah, and for the 49ers, it's always going to come down to that, right? You talked about the red zone a, a few different times. And, you know, me as someone on prize picks who went with the 49ers kicker 
kicker and I took the higher or, or over on his, you know, kicking attempts. It was supposed to be like two made field goals. Well, he wasn't able to get that because the 49ers continued to score touchdowns. And a big part of that was George Kittle. And we've talked a lot about the usage of George Kittle. Not quite there. But what we saw today with his, you know, three touchdown game, how much of it was just 100% in rhythm? I understand the trick play. That was it. Clearly, was designed to go to George Kittle, but outside of that, felt like a lot of it was just kind of finding who's going to be the open guy. And again, we just talked a whole lot about Brock Purdy and some of the things that he brings and how he makes it look easy. But part of that also is just you know finding George Kittle, who's wide open in the end zone. And I think he had a bigger part in the touchdowns than even George Kittle did. It wasn't like, and again, I I watch a lot of football. I watched every game this today since 6.30 a.m. 6.30 Pacific, that was when the London game came on. I watched every snap of that game. I watch every game. I love watching football. Uh, When you watch how a lot of guys win and score touchdowns, it's because they they have to win their one-on-one rep, and they win this route, and that guy is like the main target in that rep. Well, with the 49ers, it's really more so just about finding the guy who's going to be open. And Brad Purdy does a terrific job of finding that guy. So today, three different times, it happened to be George Kittle. Again, one was designed on the flea flicker and all that. But ultimately, I think Brad Purdy had a big hand in that. So George Kittle, three touchdown day, that's terrific. But we saw George Kittle's touchdown go up towards the second half of last season. There was one thing that was pretty consistent with that. It was Brock Purdy who was that quarterback. Mm-hmm. David says Taylor Swift chose the wrong tight end. I do believe George Kittle is happily married, so I, I don't think that's going to be a problem for George. Um, but yeah, it's, did, I, I didn't like seeing that injury for uh, for Travis Kelsey today. I think he did come back in the game, or he's at least on the sidelines. So um, anyway, uh, George Kittle absolutely gets a a game ball in this one. Got to give a game ball crock to Fred Warner, who was all over the place in the 49ers defense as he usually is. Uh, he's filling up the stat line, eight tackles. He had a sack. He had a tackle for loss, a pass defense. Uh, he had an interception in this game, like kind of one of everything for, for Fred Warner, who's always one of the 49ers best players. And um, I mean, he's just all over uh, th- what they asked him to do. They highlighted that play where it was a miss out of bounds to Brandon cooks deep at uh, the deep ball shot. Uh, and look, he, he had George, he had, uh, he had Fred Warner beat on the play. But what I think about not so much as, oh, George Kittle, this great coverage on this one play. He was beat. But what the 49ers ask him to do, this is a 4-3 dude. This is a 4-3 dude from 209, and you're asking a middle linebacker to cover this guy 40 yards down the field? So it's a high level of difficulty, and Fred Warner's up to it every single week and making plays, and he's asked, they ask him to do more than probably any linebacker in the NFL. They asked him to do a lot, and I think he's up for the challenge. When you look at when the 49ers even took him, again, uh, I, I watched Fred Warner coming out as a prospect. I'm like, okay, he's kind of this like slot, nickel guy, you know, off-ball, outside linebacker. 49ers draft him, and immediately he's an interior uh, or inside linebacker playing next to Ruben Foster, who's supposed to be a future. And he has the green dot on his helmet. So it was like, wow, like, okay, they really, really like this guy at that inside linebacker position. Then you see the athleticism and cover skills really take over. Then you see the physicality in which he plays. And one thing that I really have noticed with the 49ers, you know, people make light of the top 100 players. And I understand that the players, quote unquote, 
kind of picked that whole thing. But they had the most out of anybody. And on back-to-back drives, I really want to say like three straight, three straight drives, you see, saw Nick Bosa sack. He's in that top 100. And then you saw two drives in a row where Fred Warner made plays, whether it was punching out a ball and forcing a fumble and then getting an interception. But because of how he plays and a guy that has a high motor and a certain level of physicality, he always puts himself in position to either make a play or reap the benefits of someone else potentially making a play. So, you know, Fred Warner, we can't say enough positive things about the impact that he has on games. But clearly, when you have those caliber of players, you want to see them make impact plays. And he definitely did that multiple times today. Robert says, bring on Philly. Can't wait for payback. We, we got to wait. That's week 13. You got to you got we got well over the month before that game comes. So we got you don't want to be looking past teams in the NFL. 49ers got to keep winning games and and stay strong and and stay on stay on point. I want to talk in a second croc about maybe peaking too early where the 49ers are right now and uh, some more game balls I think to give out as well in this 42 to 10 victory over the Dallas Cowboys next. Today's episode of Locked On 49ers is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business, and you want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people for your team faster and for free. It is super easy. I'm on LinkedIn. You're on LinkedIn. All of the talent that you're looking for Uh, Just like any football team is, your small business is looking for the best talent, right? You want those first-round draft picks, and they're already on LinkedIn as well. So you just add your job to your business's purple hashtag hiring frame uh, right on your LinkedIn profile, and it spreads the word that you're hiring. Then simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on just the right candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you like to interview and hire. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on NFL. That's linkedin.com slash locked on NFL to post your job for free terms and conditions apply. Croc, um, I, I don't want, I don't know if we should give it to Colton McKivitz just because it's it signifies the one guy that we had worries about on the 49ers offensive line more than the others, really all season long coming into the season, Micah Parsons, zero sacks, zero quarterback hits, one hurry in the entire game. And he was everywhere. He didn't line up on Colton McKibbins the whole game. He was lining up left, right, middle. Uh, he was moving around. The 49ers did a phenomenal job. Like th- the number one thing we're doing keys to victory, right? It was, don't get down early, right? You don't want to. You don't want to let uh, the Cowboys get an early lead because that's what they're trying to do, and then you might have to throw your out of a hole. At this point, I don't think we have to be super worried if Brock Purdy has to throw out of a hole, even though he never has to for this 49ers team right now. But the big one was after that, you got to stop Micah Parsons. You can't let him feast on you. You can't have the three sacks, strip sacks like T.J. Watt in Week One. How did the 49ers block him up so well? And who do you give it to? The entire offensive line? Do you give it to just Colton McKivitz? Because I, I think the 49ers front absolutely deserves a game ball in this one. You, you saw him make a big play. I want to say it was on the second or third drive where he had a nice tackle for loss and then forced the 49ers into a 
punting situation. And I remember going on Twitter and talking about it. You know, we, we know he's special. We know he's able to do big-time things. He's a special type uh, prospect player, and Dallas Cowboys have him. He's arguably, you know, the best, or if not one of the best, defensive players in the league. But, you know, you have to give a game ball to the 49ers offensive line, specifically the right side, for just keeping him quiet. You know, most of the game he was rushing off of that right side, and McKivitz and uh, Spencer Burford, you know, two of the guys that I think I was probably the most worried about heading into this game, I think they did a terrific job just quieting him. And that's my expectations for them. You know, I talked about it with even the secondary, right? If you invest a ton in a certain uh, position, then I might expect more out of that spot, right? Like the defensive line. They've they've invested so much in the defensive line, whether it's Nick Bosa, Eric Armstead, Javon Hargraves. Like, I expect them to produce at a very high level. But when you get to the back end of guys, you know, and you look at, uh, you know, Delmador Lenore and Ambry Thomas and Gibson and Hufunga. You know, if they play extremely well, which we've seen a lot of good play out of Hufunga and we got an interception out of Gibson tonight, but cool. But if not, then well, of course, look look at the the capital that you put into those guys. But when you look at the offensive line, it's the same thing. Look at your right side of the line. Like where was McKibbins drafted? Where was uh, Spencer Burford drafted not very high the center you got him in free agency nobody else wanted him so when they do just silence a guy to the extent of not getting a sack or not impacting the game to where he just really throws a wrench in everything I think they did a terrific job and definitely deserve a game ball so shout out to the right side of the offensive line 49er fans, uh, me included, you as well, we always bring up that right side. But they've held it down in multiple games, silencing a guy like uh, 99 from the Rams. We didn't hear from him. He didn't have a sack. I thought they did did a terrific job tonight as well. Croc, talk to me about the defensive backfield because I feel like a game ball goes somewhere over there. After Micah Parsons, what's the other name we mentioned, right? C.D. Lamb. During the first half, I was like, is CeeDee Lamb even in the game? He was a non-factor. Four catches for 40 yards or something like that. I think it was his final stat line. Four catches for 49 yards. Yeah, I, I took the higher on his yardage on on uh, uh, prize picks. And I thought this was a guy that was going to have 60-plus yards just because of how they try to force the ball to him. But the 49ers, they clearly had a plan on how to – uh, just kind of throw him off. And everywhere he was, they put a body on him, made sure that he was getting touched, uh, whether it was over the middle, whether it was on the outside. And even when they tried vertically pushing shots, I saw them try to throw the ball down the field to Michael Gallup. He's a guy that definitely is a vertical threat. Even if he's not an every down, high uh, uh, guy, that high volume guy that we're going to throw the ball to a ton, you know, Okay, he don't have to be that guy. But vertically pushing down the field, he is that guy. 49ers did a terrific job of erasing him, erasing C.D. Lamb, erasing Brandon Cooks, who I thought potentially might be a, uh, a issue vertically pushing down the field as well. They did a really good job with all of that. So I think, you know, the game ball has to go really to the entire secondary because it's not one guy that you're saying, all right, you are the best corner on the team. You have to follow this guy around. But it was everyone working as a collective group, and I think they did that at a very high level, taking guys out of the game. Like, If I asked you right now, how many catches did Brandon Cooks have? Was it one on like maybe a screen pass? How many catches did Gallup have? Maybe one, like eight yards? I mean, like they didn't have anything. Yeah, I think Cooks was a, a rushing attempt, right? 
Maybe it was two screens, one because look, I'm looking at stats right now. There's one rush for six yards, one catch for seven yards. Were they both screen passes and one was just a backwards pass? Right. Yeah. Somewhere. That's, that's for Brandon Cooks. Yeah. So I mean, just did a number on all of them. Uh Tony Pollard, eight carries for 29 yards. They had to ban them the run because they were down so much, but uh, the 49ers did a good job there, not letting them uh, you know, run the ball early anyway. So a phenomenal job. You know, maybe, maybe just give a game ball to Steve Wilkes. By the way, we got to see. Jair Brown on the field, like he hasn't even hardly played for the 49ers. He's been on special teams, but you never see 27 on the field because the 49ers were up so big. And Kyle Shanahan was so confident in this one, unlike other weeks, that he put almost the entire fourth quarter, he had the backups in. Sam Darnold's in there taking snaps. Um, Jordan, uh, Jordan Mason, 10 carries for 69 yards. Jordan Mason rolls into the game and rattles off a 26 yard touchdown run like nothing it was funny because it was like uh the drive summary at the end when you score it was like one play 26 yards six seconds right that was the entire drive right so i mean i love seeing the backups in the game that's how thoroughly the 49ers beat the cowboys is almost the entire fourth quarter was uh the 49ers playing backups and and getting guys some rest which is which is must needed getting ready for the cleveland browns here too so i mean just just top to bottom. I mean, you could probably, as has been mentioned in the in the chat tonight, Croc, you could probably give a game ball to just about anybody in this one. Any other game balls you want to give out? You can probably give a game ball to anybody. But, again, I want to kind of give a game ball to the coaching staff because, to me, that was the thing that probably stood out, even more so than having terrific players. The 49ers coaching staff put their playmakers and their guys that are the high-level guys in position to – exceed more than Dallas Cowboys and I walked away from this game we talked about it about you know how you win or how you lose doesn't make a difference and prior to the game I said yeah it doesn't really make a difference you know you're going to see these guys in the postseason but I think when you lose 42 to 10 and to the way that the Dallas Cowboys did it definitely makes a difference and what it let me know is that the players that the 49ers have and the way that they're able to execute and the level that they are the Cowboys just they're just not fair so we gave a game ball to a lot of players. I think we definitely have to give the game ball to the coaching staff and how they had these guys prepared, the level in which they played at, and how walking away from this game right now, it's Sunday, October 8th, 9.30 Pacific time, I feel like the Dallas Cowboys just cannot mess with the 49ers. And they're going to have a lot of figuring out to do over the time. And it's good to have that game early on. Week five, week five, you have that game, and it's like, all right, Everything from now on, we have to be focused on selling at such a high level or playing at a high level or, or, or trying to execute at a level to where we can beat the San Francisco 49ers when or if we have to play them in the postseason. That should be their goal. But that is only the goal because of how well the 49ers are coached. Last note for me here, we've given game balls to the offense and defense, but the special teams deserves one as well. And, and we're going to have the Winks wish watch on Wednesday's episode, our Winky Wednesday episode. And he'll have the exact numbers for Mitch Wishnowski. But the punting game, two more down inside the 20. Uh, there was no field goals attempted because the 49ers were hitting the end zone every single time. But Moody, a perfect six for six. He's, uh, Moody's been perfect all year, right? Hasn't has missed a field goal or extra point. And he didn't kick any kickoffs out of bounds either in this game. So. <laughs> Uh, I think we got to throw a game ball that way at the special teams, too. The kicking game was solid. Like, about the only weird thing in the kicking game was Ambry Thomas, I think, on the first punt return, didn't block anybody. And uh, 
and Ray Ray got hit immediately when he did not expect it. Um, but aside from that, I mean, the 49ers just topped the bottom, were a better football team on this night than the Dallas Cowboys, beat them on offense, beat them on defense, beat them on special teams. I did have one more thing I wanted to talk about real quick. And while watching the broadcast, they talked about Christian McCaffrey. And they said that Christian McCaffrey is so hard on himself. And his mom talked about how he doesn't like hearing about he did good. He thinks that that's kind of bad, right? Like he wants to excel at a higher level. And they talked and they put it on him. But for all the parents out there watching right now or, or listening to this podcast, it's it's not about him. It's about your your parenting. And when I listened to him prior to all this and talk about what his dad, Ed McCaffrey instilled in him, it was this level of excellence. It was this level of how we were going to prepare. He talked about on Friday nights when he was in high school and, you know, he was getting ready for a game. He didn't want him wearing jeans because the jeans were too heavy and they were going to tire his legs out prior to the game, right? Like that, that level of detail. He would, he would talk about how his dad would punish him if they got tackled by their jersey when they were in peewee football, you know? And so there was this level of expectation that was set on them. And I think he has carried that level of expectation on how he prepares on everything from then on out. So he comes off to me as someone who would excel in football or whatever he decided to do. But it's not just, and again, shout out to his mom. She gave him the credit. It's not him. It's what the mom and dad instilled in Christian McCaffrey to why he prepares to a certain level uh, today. And I think that's obviously why he is the player that he is. You know, genetics has a part in that, which yeah. is, you know, and, being and able to exceed the, at such a high level. But uh, not all the they have a big hand great. in that. Not all the kids in that family are exceeding to his level either. So he does get some credit. Right. But yeah. And he, he talks about how it wasn't that easy either, right, With <laughs> in that environment. Um uh, because he was held to a certain standard and yeah, it, it takes everything top down, just like the 49ers right now, top down uh, are, are the reason that they're winning football. Um, Randy Gregory, newest 49er, not yet on the field. He'll be on the field next week. Of course, we will have that covered next week. We'll have rewatches. We'll have winky Wednesday. Uh, we'll start turning the page to week six as well. A whole lot more coming at you every single day as we do here on a locked on 49ers. Appreciate everybody jumping in the live chat. All the everydayers out there, make sure you are subscribed on YouTube and everywhere you get your podcasts. Croc and I back tomorrow right here covering those perfect 5-0 San Francisco 49ers.